Welcome to Mike Needs a Plan, the show I've named for the fact that even after losing 110 pounds, I'm still trying to figure this thing out. And if you're living your life right, you should be too. This week, I'd like to spend our time together reading something that I think you'll get a lot from. It's an article I wrote earlier this year about my journey towards self-acceptance, a story of a pivotal day in which I reframed the negative self-talk that kept me trapped in my destructive habits for years. I'm very thankful to have had this experience, and maybe through my retelling of it, you'll be able to speak more kindly to yourself as well. Let's hear it. Dear Internet Diary, I cried. I cried at the gym. Usually I talk to myself in the gym mirror and I dig in like a grizzled interrogator at the end of a long shift. I bark obscenities into that mirror that I'd never even want to imply to someone that I hate. My self-roasts leave burn marks on my soul and skid marks on my palms. I wouldn't call it motivation, much in the same way you wouldn't refer to a cattle prod as a pep talk. But it gets the job done. What am I going to do? Fight back? I didn't want to go to the gym today. I left a lead weight in my gut for meeting like I was being timed for a record. I sat outside of that building for 40 minutes, plump and bloated, trying to come up with any excuse satisfactory enough to turn around and keep shoveling high-calorie coal into my bottomless simple carb incinerator. I'd have to waddle in there anyway after what I'd done to myself in the kitchen, and I was moments away from drafting that excuse and going right home. I can give up on myself without a second thought. I'd done it plenty of times before. So I started my car. I began to reverse, and right as I was about to turn my head, I caught my own eye in a tinted window of a car next to me. All the tinted windows? Jersey? At least I wasn't the only one in that parking lot doing something that might hurt me later. Stretched out and fish-eyed, the distorted image reflected back to me resembled something I hadn't seen in a long time. Something I hadn't been in a long time. Portly, round, puffy, a little sad looking. You know who I can't give up on? Him. The guy in the old picture I still have on my phone. It's a laborious scroll through my camera roll at this point. It's been years since I looked like him. In a normal, non-tinted mirror anyway. So I grabbed his hand and I walked us into the gym. He'd never been in there before. I couldn't wait to show him around. He started our journey with none of the knowledge I have now. He'd never seen results at all, much less the 110 pounds of weight he would selflessly lift from my frame. He didn't care that he felt like trash from eating trash. He wanted something he couldn't even imagine in the way that I get to physically see now. And yet, he leapt blindly forth anyway, not knowing if he'd land. He pushed forth without a concept of what success was even supposed to look like. And I was going to go home? The person who couldn't yet do what I'm doing today, but without whom I could not do what I'm doing today, didn't give up on me. Who would I be to give up on him? Today was my opportunity to let him into my world, the world he created for me, the one he left in my care. There were tears of joy celebrating his selfless effort that put me where I am today. There were tears of sadness in knowing that each weight I lifted ultimately moved me further away from him. There were tears of regret knowing that I'd nearly failed him. And that's the person I decided to talk to in the mirror today. 
I must have looked crazy to the others who scarcely populate the gym floor at 3 p.m. before the after-work rush as I flipped recklessly through an ensemble of unpredictable emotions. Happy, sad, wistful, distraught, determined. I had so much to tell him, so much he hadn't gotten to see. Harder than the sets I was pushing to failure in an effort to show off to him was trying to decide what I'd say to him next. How to show him just how far we'd come since the day he made the butterfly effect decision to have one less soda at dinner. An hour at the gym was hardly enough to catch him up on the six years he'd selflessly gifted to me. I congratulated him on each of my completed sets. Our completed sets. He forgave me for the few reps I came short on. I told him I'd get it on the next one. And I did. We did. Despite his lack of knowledge, despite never having seen those results, he had one lesson to teach me before we parted ways. Be kinder to myself. He'd be listening. And so I smiled. I smiled at the gym. I wrote that piece back in June, about a week before anybody found me on TikTok. It was very close to when it happened. But I had been on my journey at that point for six years. Really, because it was June 8th of 2017 that I was handed the bottle of kefir probiotic that would eventually spark my idea that I could even control my body at all, that I could change something about myself. And I, I suppose... Since it's the third episode of Mike Needs a Plan, I may as well tell you my story for anybody who doesn't know me. Well, as I said before, I lost 110 pounds, but it didn't happen from top to bottom. It was a little bit of up and down and up and down and up and down. I was not always a big person. I didn't grow up a big kid, but I did grow up in a very healthy household with model parents, both in terms of their actions and in terms of their looks. They're very attractive. Please don't go look them up. I look like something that they caught at a zoo, uh, <laughs> comparatively. Uh, but they were always instilling in me good things about nutrition and, and health and fitness and all that kind of stuff. And that doesn't really land with a kid all that much. Kids want snacks and goodies and treats and all that and whatnot. And eventually I had my own money and I went ahead and bought as much of it as I could possibly get my hands on. And we kind of know what happens from there. <laughs> I put on weight very, very quickly. It started maybe 2013 or so. I was at McDonald's a few times a day. Didn't start a few times a day, but I got to go to McDonald's and that was exciting. Then I got to go to McDonald's again and that was exciting, I guess. And then eventually it wasn't so exciting anymore and I was just going because I could go. I was allowed to go and I think that tends to be how a lot of us start. No one sets out to become big. And anybody who tells you that it's, oh, well, you're just lazy, you chose to, who's choosing to do this? I don't think you'd be listening to me right now if you had chosen to do this. You'd be enjoying it. But none of us enjoy this. And that went on for years and the things that I would eat would get more numerous and eventually I started drinking soda like an alcoholic. About a six pack a day, I really liked Sprite. The time I liked Sprite, I liked grape soda. I liked, um, I didn't like any of the, like the darker sodas. 
but it didn't really matter what kind of soda it was. I was drinking six of them a night, and that was easily eight, 900 calories alone. Some of you who listen to my live shows on TikTok have heard me talk about the pizza burrito, in which I would call Papa John's to get a large meat lover's pizza, and I'd tell them not to slice it, because I liked to roll it up and eat it that way, like a pizza burrito. I don't know, in my head it registered as being better. I eventually got into stand-up comedy. Stand-up comedians are good at a couple of things. A few of those things of which being uh, not sleeping. And going to bars at 3 in the morning. And eating lots of bar food. Now, I'm not a drinker. I don't drink any alcohol. But I sure as hell can pound down some wings. And I did. And I did in large quantities. But oddly enough, it was on one of these stand-up trips that I was handed that bottle of kefir probiotic that I think I mentioned a couple of minutes ago by a friend who said, hey, this helps with cravings. And I thought, what do you mean it helps? Okay, I didn't really think of anything that I was doing as cravings. I mean, I suppose I knew in some regard that I was not eating in a healthy manner. But man, uh, that kind of changed things for me. I don't think I realized it at the time. It wasn't my like aha moment. I think people will sometimes ask me, when that happened and that ended up happening five years later but I went home from that trip and I thought to myself yeah you know maybe I could eat a little bit less and move a little bit more and I did both of them very poorly I ate a lot less and I moved a lot more I was at looking back I was probably starving myself I was definitely starving myself because I lost 35 pounds in very rapid succession and I was biking for four hours a day. I'd bike like 30, 40 miles or so, just biking and biking and biking. But I didn't know. I, that was the only thing that I knew to try to do, was I need to eat less and move more. And I tried something. I failed at it, but I tried it. And that's kind of what I'm talking about in terms of the guy who started my journey didn't know anything. He went into it completely blind. And despite being blind, he went forward and did it anyway, and had to try, and had to fail, and I did pretty well that summer, at least in my opinion back then. Now, looking back at it, if it was somebody I was working with, I would have been begging them to stop because of what ends up happening in the winter time, which is I gained all the weight back, and that was kind of when the depression around my weight set in. I wasn't really terribly sensitive about my weight until then. I was a little bit sensitive, you know, I, I knew I was big, but like, that's when it really set in, and I started to hide from the camera, and I started to not want to take my shirt off for comedic effect, because now my body had become my work. It had become subject to my perfectionism that I had applied to my comedy. And thus began years of up and down yo-yo dieting and trying all different things, keto, fasting, uh, I did the juice cleanses. All it does is make you go to the bathroom. It's, it's really a bad time. But I went into all of these diets with a lot of spite for myself. I was very angry with the person that I had become and all of the failures that I had accumulated from taking on a series of fool's errands. That's ultimately what I was doing when you starve yourself or you do keto like I was talking about before. You're going to fail. Especially with keto, there's two parts to keto, I always say. It's the first half and the second half. The first half, you lose weight. The second half, you gain it all back. That's the way it works. I'm sorry to anybody who's still doing it right now. If you're on your first trip, uh, it's, it's coming. If you're on your second trip, what the hell are you doing? Stop. 
Same with fasting. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting your metabolism. Your body wants to survive. It doesn't want to waste away. So your metabolism starts to slow down a little bit in an effort to keep you from disappearing. Because your monkey brain doesn't realize that you have access to three grocery stores within 10 minutes of your home, and you're just not making use of them. That all aside, I feel like we sort of have to try some of these things to understand that they're not going to work, or we're always going to wonder if it would. I'm hoping that I get to you before you end up trying some of these nuclear methods, and maybe I can talk you out of it through my own trial and error and my experience, but, you know, hey, some people are going to touch their hand to the stove anyway and, and get burned, and it's just the way that it is. But back to me hating myself. Sorry, this is the first solo episode I'm doing. I'm kind of directionless. But hey, I'm trying something new. Without knowing how it's going to work, without knowing what I'm supposed to do with it, I'm trying something new. And we're going to see at the end of the episode if it worked out. I'll listen back to it, probably in horror, because that's what we do when we do something for the first time. We give it a shot. I hated myself. I hated myself before losing the weight. I hated myself after losing the weight. And I used that hatred as fuel to lose the weight. I used that hatred as fuel to fight my hunger in the middle of the night and then to fight my subsequent hunger the next day and to fight my subsequent hunger the night after that. And I would starve myself out because I'm like, well, you deserve it because you're a fat ass and you keep eating and you won't stop. So this is what you get for doing all that. And you can lose weight that way for sure. I mean, I don't have to tell you that. I'm sure that some of you, most of you coming to me probably are not on your first weight loss journey. You've done that plenty of times. But what I can also tell you, because you've done it plenty of times, is how do you do a weight loss journey plenty of times? You do a weight gain journey plenty of times. Obviously, you're not intending to do that, but you have to gain the weight back to lose the weight several times. So I'd be mad at myself for gaining all the weight in the first place. I'd be mad at myself losing all the weight down. I'd be mad at myself gaining all the weight again. And then I would double down into the habits, and I'm like, well, I'm just a fat ass anyway, so I may as well fulfill that prophecy and just enjoy myself because I'm already here. And I'd eat more, and I'd eat more. I'd go back to McDonald's where they already knew me when my car pulled up, and I'd call Papa John's, and they had my number. That negative self-talk powered me for five straight years. And that doesn't leave you in too great of a state of mind once you get to the end of it. And the end of it for me was five years in. It was September of 2022. Now let's just go over my pattern here for a second. 2017, fat year. Just like overall, if you were to take an average of what I was that year, I was fat that year. 2018, skinny year. 2019, fat year. 2020, skinny. 2021, fat 2022, very skinny. I was walking about seven miles a day, seven, eight miles a day for the entirety of the summer. And I thought I had the healthiest mindset in the whole world. I said, I'm not going to step on the scale. I'm not going to worry about the scale. I'm going to eat relatively cleanly and, and good. And uh, when the fat comes off, it'll come off. Yeah, sure. That's healthy, right? F the scale. We don't want the scale anymore. The scale is only a, a bad thing. I am a six foot three individual. I ended up being 155 pounds on September 26th, 2022. That is not a healthy weight or size to be, for, for me at least. I looked like a skeleton. You could have pushed a flashlight against my back and counted my ribs. It was a really bad time. 
And 155 is significant because I had overshot my goal weight by 10 pounds. Now, this is a goal weight that I had hit four times over the years, this being the fourth. The only problem is, in my head, I still thought I was fat. I still thought I had weight to go. I didn't. And when I look back at those pictures, I'm devastated. My head looks too big for my body. I'm pale. Like, my eyes are, like, kind of barely open. It's, it's a really sad picture to look at. But it was the result of years of hating myself. Years of starving myself. Because when you starve yourself and you fast, you lose muscle mass. I had no muscle mass on me at all. I had starved it all away. I also had no fat on me. My brain didn't tell me that. My brain told me I was as fat as I'd ever be. And I just had to keep walking and I had to keep worrying about it. You know, don't look down at the scale because the fat will just come off when it comes off and the scale's only going to stretch out. I hated myself so much that I couldn't even see that I made more progress than was right for my body or healthy for my mind. It wasn't even progress at that point. I was, go I was falling back. Had I not caught myself that September 26th, hell, I don't know if I'd even be here right now talking to you. I, had I not saved myself, I don't know if I would have lived. I mean, it, it was a year and three months ago at this point if I kept starving myself and kept walking seven miles a day because I eventually started counting my calories and I was at like 14, 1,500 calories, which for a person my size is unacceptable. I was dying. I was dying actively. And it was because I was so cruel to myself that I could not self-regulate. I didn't know what to do. I hit the magic weight that I wanted. I had surpassed the magic weight that I wanted. The number that was supposed to bring me happiness. And it didn't. Where was the happiness? The number was supposed to fix everything. All I had to do was get to the number and I would be fine. Everything would be okay. Skinny doesn't bring happy. Numbers don't bring happy. The person on the scale brings happy. And I found that out the hard way that day. I have a picture from that day, and you may have seen that on my TikTok. You might have seen it on my Instagram page, at Mike Needs a Plan, for both of them, if you're interested in trying to find it. I'm smiling in that picture. Later on that night, I was not smiling because I realized sort of what I had done to myself. And I looked at my BMI. Now, BMI is an incomplete data point. It's, you really need to go to a doctor to get that scanned. But no matter how you sliced it, I was underweight. No matter how you looked at it, I was, I was not doing well. I did research on what fasting does to you, and I did research on you know how... How far did I slide back? It turns out it was pretty damn far. And I couldn't go any further. I couldn't lose any more weight to try to figure out if that's what would make me happy. I was underweight. The number didn't bring me happiness. That was it. When people ask me what my moment is, what's the moment that turned everything around, what was my aha moment, it was that one. It was at my very lowest weight, not at my highest weight, not, oh, I got to turn this all around at, you know, 265 pounds. I was underweight. I was skinny. I was cold in the middle of the summer. And something had to change. The number didn't bring me happiness. Skinny didn't bring me happiness. 
I was sad. So if you're still in this trying to lose weight, hoping that, you know, big number becoming small number is what's going to bring you clarity, take it from somebody who was there and was crushed. It's not going to happen. I knew that I had to approach whatever came next completely differently than anything I'd done before. Because I couldn't do any of the stuff I'd done before. I couldn't lose any more weight. I couldn't cut any more calories. I couldn't do more exercise. In fact, I had to do everything exactly the opposite way I had been doing it for the last five years to try to save my own life. And it was around that period of time that I was introduced to the idea of maintenance. I found a guy named Chris Terrell. Uh, If you're not following Chris Terrell, you should be. Um, He kind of saved my life back then. And since then, I've gotten the opportunity to talk to him and work with him. And he's just been an incredibly kind and beautiful human being to me. But until I found that content, until I found what he was talking about, I really didn't have a direction. I didn't have a way to go. And he talked from the perspective of a guy who lost 125 pounds, just a few more than me. And what he said made sense. The people who never had to lose the weight, the people who you know, have nutrition certifications and dietitian certifications who have never had to lose an ounce of fat, they know their information. It didn't resonate with me the same way that Chris did. And I started tracking my calories. And it was way lower than I had expected that it was. I had never tracked a calorie before. I didn't know what that was about. I just figured, you know, less food. I knew I had to track calories and whatnot, but I just didn't look at it that way. I just figured it would come off when it would come off, and that's just not the case. It's not. I was severely under-eating. When I said I was eating about fourteen to 1,500 calories, that's about what I was eating. And just for contrast, my maintenance is around like 2,800 to 3,000 calories a day. So I was basically eating half of the amount of calories that my body like needed to survive. I cut down my amount of exercise because I didn't need to be moving that much. In fact, we shouldn't be trying to work out to burn calories anyway. It's it's never going to work, especially if your diet's not right. But, I mean, my diet was not right in a different way. But aside from all these physical changes and the diet changes and everything, the most important change that I had to make was being kinder to myself in the process. I couldn't hate my way back up. I couldn't hate my way to a different body. It wasn't working before. It wasn't going to work now especially when I was basically at my weakest, when I was in a very fragile state. I not only did I have to learn how to do maintenance, how to maintain a weight, which is a crazy idea when most of us have not looked down at the scale and seen a number we've been happy enough to do that with. I had to learn to do so with kindness. I could not use that engine anymore that powered me through all of the changes I'd made before. And hatred will get you to where you're going, but it won't keep you there. Shame cannot maintain. It won't. And to those of you who will tell me that, you know, well, I was shamed all through my childhood. I was shamed all through my teenagehood. And, and I came out the other side. I came out stronger. All it did was help me build character. I'm sorry you had to survive that. I'm sorry someone forced you to overcome such horrendous adversity. I'm glad that you did, but you shouldn't have had to. 
And some of you out there are facing that adversity within yourself. Some of you have very stable and, and wonderful support systems, just like I do. And, you know, loving parents and loving families or whoever it might be. And your hatred is coming from you. Who is that helping? Self-hatred can also come in the form of unnecessary blame. And a lot of us will incur extra consequences onto ourselves because we feel like we deserve it. Because we feel as though if there's no consequence for behaving poorly, there's no growth. And I was speaking to a friend the other day who was thinking quite the same. And this is someone who is, in my opinion, brilliant and hardworking and kind and has a very strong ability to self-analyze. And even someone who has all of these things is still punishing themselves. And I think those of us who hold ourselves to a high standard like that will often do things like that. And and my friend had said that consequences mold us when we're too lazy to mold ourselves. But this is not a lazy person. This is not a person who doesn't care. This is a person who cares quite a bit. And a person who cares so much that they're willing to incur extra consequences. They're willing to put themselves through extra hatred and, and judgment to try to hold themselves to a higher standard. But the consequences already happened. Is being mad at yourself going to encourage you to want to be better next time? Or is extra stress on top of all that other stress just going to be more stressful? Like, we can all complete things out of spite for ourselves, but the result will always be revenge, not progress. And you deserve a lot better than revenge. I spent a lot of years taking revenge out on myself, and it never worked out for me. Leading up to that fateful day in the gym where I changed everything around, and I looked down at that picture of myself, that proverbial... Uh, you know, plus one to the gym with reverence rather than spite. I wasn't lifting to get away from him. I was lifting to show off to him, to say, look at what we can do now because of what you did. Because I wouldn't be here if you didn't learn how to create me. That guy started with nothing. Nothing at all. He didn't have any of the knowledge that I have now. If I gained all the weight back tomorrow, not only do I have the knowledge, but... My muscles are all there. I've got a support system around me. There are people that are willing to help me out. I've got this whole audience of people ready to cheer me on. I've got so much more than he did. And yet he pushed forward anyway. Who am I to deny that legacy by saying that I'm not worth it? That I need to hate myself through this thing. That I need to punish myself all the way to the end it was never going to be sustainable never was before and it's not now learning to be kind to myself has been the greatest and most effective catalyst for change throughout the entirety of my journey there is nothing that has been more powerful more sustainable more effective more fulfilling and ultimately that's what brought me my success both personally and professionally That's my whole message now, is to be kind to yourself. I end all my messages, my videos with be kind to yourself. I end my podcast is ending with be kind to yourself. When people ask me how I did it, they sometimes tend to get a little bit mad when I say moderation, patience, and kindness. 
And I get it, because what they're looking for is a diet plan. They're looking for a meal plan. I tried them all. I tried every single one of them. And you know what? Maybe one of them would have worked. Maybe I would have found a diet or something that would have worked had I went into it with kindness. Had I went into it trying to find something that was sustainable, not putting myself on a diet as a punishment to say, this is what you get for all the bullshit that you did. Because that's how I went into a lot of diets. That's how I went into a lot of exercise routines. I said, you did this to yourself. So here's how you're going to dig yourself out of it. But I was always digging myself out, out of revenge. So when I got out of there, I had just, I guess I pulled a fast one on myself. And then I jumped back in the hole because that's where I belonged. That's always how you're going to feel if you try to survive this thing through revenge. You're just going to feel like, well, why did I even crawl out? If the hole is where I belong, you keep jumping back in. That negative voice doesn't just come from nowhere. In fact, there are a lot of external sources it'll come from. Say, those of you who have always been big. The bullies of your childhood. Those voices go into your head, they go into your ears, and they start bouncing around your skull long enough, far long after you've left high school. And eventually it starts to sound like your own voice. And you've got something that the bullies don't have, and that is access to all of your deepest fears and insecurities and regrets and desires. You are the most effective bully that you'll ever encounter. But you're also the most effective cheerleader that you'll ever encounter. You are the most effective catalyst for change that you'll ever meet. You may meet people who will give you a piece of your puzzle, but you're the one who's going to put them together. You're the one who will put that together and make a marvelous puzzle picture, whatever that might be, unless you're one of those people that likes the static puzzles where it's just like a picture of TV static, in which case you're insane. That's a a good way to punish yourself. (laughs) You get one of those that's just like all white pieces. Have you seen those? Because those are absolute insanity. Anyway, literally one week after I sort of developed this message of being kinder to myself is when I had a video go viral on TikTok. And that video was one in which I faced my fear of taking my shirt off in public for the first time in many years. And getting over that voice, or at least doing something to try to get over that voice that was telling me, you shouldn't do it, you can't do it, you don't belong here, you're the fat guy, you always will be the fat guy. Yeah, everyone else is allowed to take their shirt off at the beach, not you. And I did it. And what you didn't see in that video is I actually took my shirt and I threw it behind me. And I didn't turn back to see where it was. Luckily, it was there when I went back to get it. But I said into the camera, I'm about to do something I haven't done in the better part of a decade. Maybe I'll play the clip here. I'm about to do something I haven't done in six years, probably more than six years, and I'm really scared to do it. I lost 110 pounds, that was the easy part. Nobody told me at the beginning of this journey that by the end of it, I'd still feel like the fat guy, no matter how much weight I lost. I may have removed the weight from my body, but unlike any run I've ever gone for, any exercise I've ever done, any barbell I've ever lifted, it compares none to the weight that I'm about to lift off my soul. Join me as I enter a public space shirtless for the first time in probably the good part of a decade. 
nobody has any idea. Nobody will have any idea. No one knows how much weight I had to lose to be here. I just look like anybody else now. I am superbly uncomfortable, but this is a strength exercise like anything else. The more reps I put in, the more time I put in, the stronger I'll get. You are more than the weight you've gained and more than the weight you'll lose. Ten and a half million people resonated with that. I got tens of thousands of comments. I got so many messages. And at the time that that had been posted, I also had other content about the same thing. And what I ended up finding out was not only am I not alone, but I'm not nearly alone. There are millions of people out there who are bullying themselves just as I was every single day. And from that moment, and once more people started to come in and you know my notoriety started to rise very quickly, I realized this is what I need to do. Whatever's happening right now, whatever chord I've just struck with the public, I need to dedicate my life to trying to help people to find the same clarity that I found. That same life-changing clarity of being kind to yourself. Because I've been mean to myself for a long time, and so many of you have done the same thing. You're never going to win that way. And I'm sorry to say it, and this isn't to discourage you, but I hope this is an encouraging message. I hope this is something that empowers you to give yourself the permission to be kind to yourself. Because a lot of you feel like you don't have the permission. Because you feel like you need to live in the consequence. If you don't live in that consequence, then how are you going to get stronger? You don't even deserve to not live in that consequence. You deserve to suffer, right? When has that ever helped you? When has that ever been a positive thing? Understand that when you do that, like I said before, the only thing you get from that is revenge. And who are you taking revenge on? Because it's not you're taking revenge on somebody who wronged you. You're taking revenge on you. I think I'm ranting at this point, but again, I'm doing something new for the first time. So I hope I've done well. There's no get skinny quick solution. If there was, we'd all have it and there'd be no one struggling with their weight. There's no way to get through this quickly. And there's no way to get through this with an attitude of self-hatred. I don't want you to end up where I was. I don't want you to be all the way at the bottom and be devastated that the one thing that you thought was going to bring you clarity and bring you happiness ends up not bringing you happiness. Because I was extremely lucky to be able to dig myself out of it, to have found the resources that I found at the time that I did, and to be able to utilize them in the way that I did. I was just talking to Chris Terrell earlier today, as of the time of this recording, and I told him that had I found him in 2017, I wouldn't have been ready to take in the information that he's got because he doesn't talk about diet. He doesn't talk about exercise. He'll mention that it's important, but that's not what he talks about. He talks about the mind. He talks about addressing the habits that created the fat, which is what I do because it's the most important thing. I know it's frustrating because it's a lot easier. Wouldn't it be... No, you know what? Never mind. I'm, I'm going to turn that around. I'm glad it's not carbs. I'm glad that it's not carbohydrates that are making us fat. Because carbs are delicious. Not only are carbs are delicious, but you know, it's, your brain operates on glucose and your muscles on glycogen. But I'm glad that it's not carbs. Because if it was, oh, we just have to cut our carbs and all the fat's going to come off, we wouldn't get to enjoy cake anymore or pizza or any of that stuff. And I love that stuff.
as of the time of this recording, it's almost Thanksgiving, and I am about to have my second mindful Thanksgiving. Am I really about to? This is my podcast. If you want to switch off, you can switch off. I'm going to talk about my second mindful Thanksgiving. Last year, when Thanksgiving rolled around, I had been learning to maintain for like maybe two months at that point, and I was nervous. I was nervous about going into the holidays in a way that I had never done it before, which was mindfully and in moderation. Because before that, even if I was on a quote-unquote diet at the time, I'd just say, well, screw it. It's, it's a special occasion, so I'm just going to eat whatever I want. And of course, I'd make myself feel like crap afterward, because we don't actually want the volume. We, we want the taste of it, but we've come to equate volume with enjoyment. But that's a, a different episode. I was determined to go into the Thanksgiving season being kind to myself. And being kind to myself meant not shoving myself full of everything that my eyes wanted or everything that 2017 Mike wanted. I wanted to walk away from that table feeling good and feeling like I also enjoyed things as well because I didn't want to be the person who was just eating for utility where I'm just eating a plate of dry turkey. I wanted to have a little bit of everything, just like everybody else. And so I copied plates. I looked around at what everyone else was eating. I said, all right, you know what? I could have a little bit of that. I could have a little bit of that. Everyone around me was eating much less than I was, would probably do a couple of years ago, or that I would have a couple of years ago. But it wasn't an exercise in restriction. That's the important thing here. It was not an exercise in, I can't have that, I can't have that. It was an exercise in I can. It was an exercise in being kind to my body and being kind to my mind. And it actually was not as difficult as I thought it was going to be. When I went into it not thinking of it as a diet thing, as I'm watching my weight or I'm watching my waistline, I can't have this, I can't have this. When I went into it as I'm going to enjoy the food I love with the people I love, it was a hell of a lot easier to get through it. And I think when this episode comes out, Thanksgiving will have already passed. But Christmas is coming. And all of the December holidays are coming. And we celebrate with food. Should you not celebrate with food? No. People celebrate with food. And you're people. And you deserve to celebrate the same way as anybody else. We just have to be a little bit more tactical about it. Because we've not been so kind to ourselves over the years, have we? This is not about the weight. It never has been. It's not about a number. It never has been. This is about the person who's on that scale for whom that number represents. And that's you. And you're the person who's going to make that number mean something. Like I said before, I hit my goal weight four separate times. Didn't fix me. In fact, it just got worse every single time. The three times prior to the fourth, I gained all the weight back. If you're not there yet, if you haven't hit your goal weight yet, and you're not learning to be kind to yourself, you might be setting yourself up for the same thing. But stick with me. We're going to do this together. You are not alone. And so long as you're kind to yourself, you'll never, ever, 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 ever be alone. That got kind of cheesy, didn't it? I don't know how to end this, because I've never ended one before. So I think I'm just going to end this here. The person at the beginning of your journey is the bravest you'll ever be. Day two you know more than day one. That doesn't mean that that person's not brave. You are still brave for continuing this thing. But to take such a jump in the dark as day one you, 
is just incredible in my opinion. I look at that picture of my old self with reverence. I don't use that picture when I'm at the gym anymore. I don't look at it. It's not necessary. I don't have to encourage myself with my old self anymore. But he does visit from time to time. Just to remind me how proud he is of me. Oh, and I, I hope that your old self comes to visit you too. Because boy, how, would, how great would it be to get to sit in a room with that person? Get to say, look how far we've come. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> oh, man. Could you even imagine getting to sit down with the person day one of your journey, wherever you are right now, even if you've lost 20 pounds? could sit down and be like look at what we did look at what you started some of you listening to me have lost 100 pounds 200 pounds imagine sitting with that person and saying we fucking did it they would be amazed with you I know you're used to it now and the, the novelty has worn off but what a blessing that is to have that novelty wear away to where the thing that you wanted for so long, this thing that you worked so hard for, isn't even special anymore. It's just normal now. You get to live that life now. How could you possibly hate, criticize, or put consequences on a person who has done as much work as you have? Be proud of you. I know I am. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Mike Needs a Plan. I'm glad we've already bra broken the uh, crying barrier because that's probably going to happen a whole bunch. I cry a lot now. <laughs> that's part of being kinder to yourself too is just every once in a while you need to be so overwhelmed with your progress and what you've done that it literally brings you to tears. Be proud of you at all stages because you deserve it. I'll see you all next week. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. Be kind to yourself. I hope you got something great out of that, because I know I did. How lucky are we to get to have these conversations together? You can connect with me on TikTok and Instagram, at Mike Needs a Plan, and join hundreds of people living their healthiest lives on our free Discord page at tiny.cc slash MikeWeightLoss. Remember, we can't turn this all around by tomorrow. But isn't it great that we don't have to? Be kind to yourself, and we'll plan again together next week on Mike Needs a Plan. Thank you.